Welcome to Belonging Before Believing, well, a show where we still got the Christmas stank. <laughs> I'm Patrick Mathers, pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Oroville, California, and the one and only Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship, although it isn't the one and only. There's another one in Texas. Oh, they stole it. I don't know who got it first, but uh, yeah, in Chico, California, not in Texas. And I'm here with Nick Roberts. Uh, did you realize that when you say welcome, it is the same welcome every time? Probably. Yeah. I'm a professional. <laughs> we can always count on you, Pat. <laughs> so the other day. Uh-huh. Uh, hey, who are you? Nick Roberts. From? Oh, a uh, member of Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. <laughs> and uh, the, yeah, just a guy in Chico. <laughs> Not much to me. You're so much more than that. I, you say that, but. Why do you downplay it so the other day my daughter yeah. was picking her nose oh, <laughs> which which one uh the oldest one no which nose oh both this which, is this is oh, a great she part was a double she, both fingers <laughs> straight up and then twisted at the same time <laughs> it's just like scraping her nostrils like wow. a spatula in a mixing bowl wow and uh my uh, wow my wife blames me for it because i at home am a dirty nose picker do you do you double finger <laughs> no, I don't do that. But I actually do have a, I have a tool, uh, out of a paper clip. I use a paper clip to pick my nose. Dude, that's wild. Yeah, that's wild. A little more than I wanted to share, but here the we are. the key is a useful implement for your ear, like in your ear. Mm-mm, I you don't know? know what that means. Yeah, when you got a little ear itch, you got a little ear. You don't just use a Q-tip. Well, you're not always at home in the bathroom. Sometimes you're out and about. And you just stick Sometimes things in your ear. I don't have Q-tips in my office. What What else do you use to stick in your ear? A key. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of sticking a key in my ear. I I have used it. I have a buddy. Nose, y- you've met him, Ryan. He's yeah. real tall, you know? Ryan Mack. You never met him? Uh, maybe. Oh, dude. He's dynamite. That guy I love. I'm just a, I'm just a guy. I'll come back to him in a second. Sure. But... Um, he made the useful comment one day that uh, not only do you get a cleaner ear, but you get to lube up your ignition in your car. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of makes me sick. Oh, me too. I know. I mean, I sometimes it's my ear with my pinky and Uh I'm like, I feel sick afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, um, what are we talking about today? um, Shame culture. Shame what? Culture. There's a culture of, are we, you mean like there are cultures out there that are shame-based? Is that what we mean? Uh, no, good question. Um, it is the notion or the sentiment that a culture around shame is helpful in some way. A culture that is formed that shame keeps you in line is helpful. Is that right? That's a better way to say it. And where will I just say words? That's what I get. Said paid. them good this time. I'm professional. <laughs> I don't say them good every time. <laughs> just like right there. Yeah. <laughs> um. So shame. Uh, would this be in the context of a society, like a government, like a city, like a church, like a club? I like think it's in what, any what we scenario. T- any scenario because. You can imagine. Remind s- me where we got this from. Oh, I mean yes. to interrupt you. Sorry. So um, I got this topic 
Someone sent me a video a while back, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, if people don't know, it was with this guy, Charlie Kirk. He's like a political commentator. Yeah, I don't um, know who he is. I think he's more along the lines of like a conservative Republican kind of guy. Okay. Um, not, yeah, anyways. Um, I don't follow him very much, but he's like a Christian political commentator. Yeah. Okay. So that's where he okay. kind of has his little um, sphere of influence. Okay. And he was doing some talk, uh, and it was a, it was a short clip. And he talked about how we need to bring back shame culture. Um, and I think the context was mostly with like, you know, um, uh, men that abandoned their families, like fought, like fatherless homes. Oh, and, okay. So he's talking uh, more in a societal, I think more of a, in uh, a societal sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then, I mean, talking to a Christian crowd, <coughs> I think it then kind of downstream effects are the culture within your family, the culture within your neighborhood, within your church. And so, you know, those, those effects are downstream of this culture of shame. Yeah. So what we, we're, what we ask first, I guess, is what is shame? Yeah. Yeah. Defining shame. Um, so do you have a a definition of shame that you think of? I mean, I could try to say words until I can get to it, but I, I don't have one off the top of my head. Okay. So I would think that shame is so it's different than guilt i think in that shame is uh humiliation and it's humiliation with the desired effect of behavioral change is is uh guilt a part of shame like you only experience oh you can shame. experience guilt in the midst of shame i think yeah yeah but guilt is you you actually did something morally wrong and it is your conscience response or an internal response to the actual moral wrong you committed. Okay. So everyone has guilt, whereas not everyone has shame because for example, I am not easily humiliated. Um, I've done all kinds of really stupid things for like fun and being silly and like I've uh, had people try to humiliate me and I have, I just largely don't receive that. And um, so shame. (coughs) Is shame and humiliation hand in hand? I'm, I'm not uh, one to one making them equivalent, but I am definitely associating them with each other. For sure. Okay. I don't think you can have shame and a shame culture without humiliation. Um, and so I yeah. I wonder okay. if um, that, therefore, although you can be humiliated when you're guilty as well, right? I mean, you're, you're caught. Yeah, you're, you've, you've done something morally wrong. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, picking up trash on the side of the road can be a humiliating act right well that's that would be part of shame culture right i mean you're out there in public and you're kind of being shamed for what you've done right um versus guilt is actually like uh internal response to um i have violated the law it isn't just there's um but but and the reason i'm coming back to humiliation in the shame culture thing is that we're talking about something that can be specific in one location and not another Right. So I think that um, guilt is universal. Shame is not. Mm. Humiliation is not. There are some things that are humiliating 
in certain cultures that aren't humiliating in others. So, uh, to be childish, if you're farting in class mm-hmm. or if you fart out loud in class when mm-hmm. you're in elementary school, that's humiliating. Or in, it could it, be. In, a, in our culture, yeah. yeah. But if you go to, like I had a, a buddy from India and he's like, Dude, people just fart regularly all the time, like at the dinner table, like just like it's like not even you don't bat an eye. He told me, I mean, I I haven't experienced this myself, but I have no reason to doubt him. Um, And so that's what I would say would be a uh, why shame would be cultural and it it shifts from culture to culture. Okay, okay. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, in the sense, in the context of this Charlie Kirk clip that i saw in him wanting to him talking about bringing back shame culture the uh assumption is that we don't have a shame culture and it's around the context of you know certain people doing certain things so like uh fathers leaving their family and having fatherless homes sort of thing um right and there might be an element of uh, braggadocious in that that i have you know so many kids with so many women and I sleep around and so therefore it's, it is, it isn't even, there's no shame at all. It's actually a badge of honor right? in certain, you know, circles. Um, I could see that. I remember <coughs> a buddy years ago, we were on a sort of missions trip together and he was talking about, he was doing ministry in a trailer park and how that, that was a big deal. Like, one of the big things there besides the drugs was that men would sleep with everybody. And it was like kind of like a, a badge of honor for who you slept with. And so all these guys had all these kids with all these different women. And it's like the whole trailer park was interrelated. It was wild. That and this wild. was in, Jeez. I want to say he was in Virginia. Uh, I think that's where he was. Right. But I haven't talked with the guy really since. But um, so that was something that he, he and he was trying to, there's a ma- massive trailer park, thousands of people. Holy crap. Yeah, huge, huge. It was almost like a city unto itself. Whoa. And he was trying to plant a church in the trailer park's community center. And so that's kind of my connection to him was that was where he was trying to minister. With that in mind, I mean, it makes me think that shame and humiliation very much is I, it can be an isolated uh, phenomena like what what is shameful and humiliating in one society or one culture is completely different in a different one and it could be you know just a couple hundred miles away yeah and so i wonder if that's actually a good motivator to change people's behavior because you have to comp- you have to change the mindset which it seems like there might be better ways to do it than shame um, that that was my initial feeling when hearing uh, the words from this clip was, I it it doesn't feel right, and I'm not I I don't think that all shame is bad because there are th- in my mind there are uh, moral inc- implications to the actions you take right and if someone yeah. does something wrong, then there are consequences well, to those. Yeah, Adam and Eve when they realized they were naked were ashamed. They were yeah. 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 So there's certainly <clears throat> some truth to the fact that uh, shame uh, can motivate us. I mean, they put clothes on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and well, the poorest of clothes. 
leaves. <laughs> fig leaves. <laughs> have you ever touched a fig leaf? I haven't touched a fig leaf. Well, um, I'm sure I have. I just, I don't. It's like it. sandpaper, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's rough. Are fig leaves big? Fig leaves big? Kind of this big. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a fig tree down here in the, in the, it's in between a palm tree and like another little bush. And some guy came up one day and was like, oh, God is here because there's a fig tree and the palm tree right next to each other. He's telling me this thing. And I'm like, oh, man, there are crazy people in this <laughs> world. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's like sandpaper, man. It's the worst of clothes. So shame will drive you to change your behavior for sure. But what it can't do is um, change your heart, which guilt, you're more inclined to do that because you're confronted uh, when you're guilty. Shame is a probably a result of guilt. Guilt is much more foundational. Fundamental, maybe is a better word, hmm. than... Um, then shame would be. Um, Let me say that again. So shame can change your behavior. But I think can't so. Change your heart. Yeah. Right. Where okay. I'm not saying guilt uh, yeah. changes your heart. Like I, I you, there's another way of salvation. You know, <laughs> by being guilty. But yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it's with a changed heart you feel guilt. Right. Well, yeah. It, guilt is the thing that drives us, I think, to Christ. Um, because guilt, the whole gospel is. <clears throat> you're a guilty sinner before God. What are you going to do with your guilt? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you're going to you're going to do something with it. You're going to pacify it. You're going to suppress it. You're going to Excuse hide it. it. You're going to embrace it. Oh yeah. Or you're going to go to God and seek forgiveness yeah. for the things you've done wrong, and then your guilt will be uh, done away with. Which is for me personally, when I'm sharing the gospel. With somebody, or even thinking about, um, I want to turn this conversation into a gospel conversation. I want to make a beeline to guilt, yeah, because everybody has it. It's universal. What do you do with your guilt? In fact, that's a question I ask a lot of times. Is if we start getting serious in a conversation, I'll go, "Well, what do you do with your guilt?" And it opens up a lot. Um, it it forces people to. Um, yeah, get real real quick. <laughs> or right. to just obfuscate and get away from the conversation, which I've had happen before too. Yeah, I, oftentimes a lot of people, they don't know how to answer the like the categories that they haven't thought through. Yeah, they, yeah, they, which is good. I mean, I, you want to force them to think oh, yeah. through those categories. So yeah, what do you do with your guilt, not what do you do with your shame mm-hmm. um, is, is the question that we want to ask because guilt is the more foundational, fundamental, that's the word I use, the more so fundamental point. Why... I, is there a place for shame? Oh yeah, absolutely. In the church, in the church. Okay, no, I'm just asking so that's you that specific question. Yeah, yeah, we should and go then we there. Could probably okay. branch out from there. Um, no, no, we we should probably go there. So um, there probably is a place for shame. I what immediately comes to my mind though is that we in the church are people who've been forgiven of our sins. And that we're to love one another in such a way that the love that the world sees is the attractive thing. And James says that love covers a multitude of sins. And so there should be a mindset in the church that I don't want to shame my brother and sister. Right? I mean, even church discipline is laid out by Christ as such where I'm going to keep the circle as small as possible, 
the circle of knowledge of the sin. So in, in Matthew 18, Jesus says, if there's sin, then you're supposed to go one-on-one mm-hmm. to your brother and deal with it. And then if there isn't reconciliation, then take only two or three people with you. And then if there isn't reconciliation, only then do you tell it to the wider church at large. That that was the, so the, when I first asked the question, my mind first went to Matthew 18. Yeah. And kind of dawned on me that shame doesn't come into the picture until the very end the very end yeah that is that's the moment for shame yeah yeah in fact in second corinthians paul seems to be telling uh, the church to reinstate the brother that they did church discipline on so that shame doesn't consume him oh um, since he's outside of, of the church and has been kicked out. And he, he apparently has sought forgiveness, sought restoration, and the church hadn't brought him back in. And so Paul's res- re- mild rebuke, but rebuke is, no, you need to bring that guy back in. Because <clears throat> love covers a multitude of sins. Because love covers a multitude of sins. So th- there might be a place for shame in the church, but it's it should be rare. And it, it should be at most temporary hopefully yeah right because you can imagine a culture or a a church with a culture of shame the implication by shaming someone is that either they stay in that state they stay in that state of a shame of being ashamed or they're restored correct i think so my experience so this is anecdotal but um i think helpful has been that the more shame-based a quote-unquote church is, the more cult-like they are. Oh, yeah. And so we were involved in a cult in Wisconsin when we moved out there. Me, you me and, and your Andy. family? Just me and Andy. Oh, oh okay. Mariah was, had been born. Okay. Yeah. But she was a baby baby. Sure. Um, and uh, we didn't have faith till we got back from Wisconsin. Um, but... When we were out there, there was a church, and the pastor there, uh, his name, I don't mind saying, Tim Dodson, he's a villain, dude, that guy's <laughs> e- evil. Um, we, 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 he invited us out there because I was connected via Bible college with another fella who was going back to that same church, which turned out to be a cult. Okay. Um, so we, we flew out there at his invitation and said, when we got there, all of a sudden, there's the school of ministry we'd have to go through. And it was going to be a three-year program, and then we could go out from there and plant a church. Now, initially, my very first thought was, oh, that makes sense. I'm not from Wisconsin. I don't know the culture. Um, it's way different. It's like a different country sure. than, than California. Yeah. So I thought that was wise, but very quickly, all of a sudden, there was these unspoken rules that everybody knew and then I learned real quickly because I broke them all <laughs> and <laughs> you know I, I yeah and me being me I, I I rubbed the pastor wrong because I kept questioning it, things that he would say and so we were in that church I want to say four months so it wasn't very long before me and Andy both realized this is a cult we need to get out of here so were there there were there were specific actions and specific ideologies or ways of thinking yeah the yeah. whole thing okay it, w- it was a and it was a full worldview and, yeah. in- and instead of teaching that and sharing that through a rational means of discourse dialogue or preaching taught word or whatever it was through shame 
that they were able no, to enforce it, it? Good question. Okay. No, it was through uh, preaching, teaching. Okay. That was where it was right up front. But okay. then there was these behind the scenes things that you were just supposed to know. So the shame came with all of it. What you know, you you via so for example, um, there was one right when I got there, there was one guy who had left, and everyone was like, Oh, that guy's so bad. He he was so bad, he was so bad. Well, what did he do? Well, he questioned the pastor about this one thing, and then when I heard the question, I was like, Yeah, well, I want to know the answer to that, you know. <laughs> um, but he he got the boot, okay, uh, because he crossed one of these unspoken rules, which is you don't question the pastor, don't touch the Lord's anointed. Wow. He's he's God's mouthpiece. Um, don't question him. And of course I questioned him and, and we ended up leaving and then we were called the villains and we were called, uh, all these things and we were, um, shunned. So this is where I was going with this sh- okay. the shame is the design of the shunning was to shame us. Sure. Right. So that somebody would be, so we didn't know anybody. We moved out there literally knowing only one guy and I knew him kind of well. Um, from Bible college from Bible guy, college yeah. I mean we weren't best friends we were in the same friend group yeah um, so uh, I we didn't know anybody and now we're out in another state knowing nobody having been shunned and uh, kicked out of this so we're not kicked out we left the church yeah you leave and so somebody like for example one person would be walking in Walmart down the aisle and they would see us and they would literally turn and run the other way right. we had one time somebody leave their shopping cart and just run away from us um, but it was things like you couldn't go to a certain grocery store because at one time the pastor thought there was a witch who worked there. And, but can't th- question him. Yeah, you can't question him. And so, but we went to that grocery store because it was like literally at the end of our street. Um, and so we, that's, that's where we went. He would tell you where to, what car to buy. He, you couldn't date anybody unless he approved it. Um, and there was all kinds of things like yeah, that. Yeah, so it seems like it fits the pattern, though, of like using shame as behavior modification, where people aren't behaving the way you want, and so the way you can get them to do it is through shame. Yeah, in the guise of guilt. In the right? gu- yeah, of course. Because, well, this is the Lord's anointed, right. and so, of course, you know, the Bible does have a verse that says, touch not the Lord's anointed, which doesn't have anything to do with don't question the pastor. Sure. It has to do with, you know, he's the king, you don't assassinate the king. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, but, and I didn't assassinate anybody, thankfully. But <laughs> <laughs> <Just putting that laughs> out there. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, uh, th- this guy, and so when I came back, from there, I began to see similar tendencies in the Calvary Chapel that I was in out here, okay. which scared me a little bit, but it was much more subtle and behind the scenes. You didn't hear so much aggression from the pulpit. Um, I don't think I ever heard the phrase, touch not the Lord's anointed from there. But there was enough of, especially the closer you got in the leadership circle, the deeper you got, the closer you got to the elders and the pastor, um, the more real, you know, those unspoken rules were and the shame was. Hmm. And I did something once that they didn't like and they shamed me by going up in front of everybody in the group that I was in and saying, oh, I did this, I did this wrong, I'm so sorry. And Oh, it, you had to go up? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. You shouldn't be surprised that they made me do that. 
I mean, I'm surprised, yeah. honestly, I haven't had to do that more in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but it was one of the things that actually push, pushed me towards uh, Reformed theology because I saw an honesty there and a lack of a desire for the shame culture, at least initially. Now I see it in some gr- oh, reform geez. groups, yeah. oh man, goodness. the shame culture is so bad yeah. and it's, it's embarrassing, frankly, right. Right. um, for and us. It, and so when I think back to like, or when I think of your Calvary Chapel anecdote or the other cult like anecdote, um, the shame is along with a lot of the works based, um, requirements for yeah. that faith. Right. Yeah. In the reformed circles, h- how does that square up? Um, how does the reformed theology square up with? So rather than it coming out in a desire for behavior modification, which is the works based, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it comes out in, you need to repent. Um, you did this wrong. You, you violated this. Therefore you need to repent. Um, and oddly enough, I think it comes down, uh, on uh, fundamentalist lines, uh, w- because if you don't know, there was a the fundamentalist controversy in the early part of the nineteenth, nineteen hundreds, and it had to do a lot with um, inspiration of scripture and evolution being a new, a new concept, okay. and so a lot of different traditions <clears throat> that were not uh, allied typically. Uh, be, came together around this issue of we need to battle these on these two fronts, the inerrancy and fallibility of scripture and the evolution problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they wrote a book called The Fundamentals, and it b- actually turned out to be a four-volume set, um, which is a, g- a good book. But what happened is, is that it, these are the fundamentals, and it contained more than the fundamentals of oh, our sure, faith. Sure. And so people who now we label as fundamentalist we would look at and see, well, they make things the most important issues that actually aren't. And to the extreme of that would be everything is a fundamental. If you don't agree with me on absolutely everything. Right. Um, so if you don't agree with my eschatological position, you know, I, I don't know if I can fellowship with you. I don't know if we can break bread together. Um, that's where it seems like it comes out more in... Um, our circle, the reform circle, is that, well, you know, you, you don't believe baptism the way I do. So they'll shame you into a theological position? Mm, that's the that's the attempt, the I attempt, think. yeah, okay. Yeah, is to, and then there's a, a good amount of uh, belittling, making fun of. Yeah. And, and it sounds like that's kind of the uh, the theme I've, I've kind of seen woven through this is shame is that tactic used when you can't argue with them. Like well, that's if, a good if point. you can't yeah. engage with what they're actually doing or with what they're actually thinking, yeah. then you use shame. Yeah, yeah. And if all you're concerned about is behavior modification, that might be a tool to utilize. Mm-hmm. But in the church, that we should not be concerned primarily about behavior right. modification. Right. I mean, I, I've, I don't know how many times I've said it, I am not anyone's Holy Spirit. And if somebody were my Holy Spirit, they would have changed things in me long ago that the Holy Spirit has still hasn't changed in me yet, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit 
is perfectly capable to work in me how he wants to work in me and sanctify me the way he wants to sanctify me. And granted, I still like Paul kick against the goads, right? And um, don't do the things I want to do and the things Mm -hmm. I want to do, I find myself not doing. But that's between me and the Lord, Right. right? Yeah, yeah. And so guilt will drive me to Christ. Guilt will drive me to the Spirit. The Spirit will use that in order to drive me back to the gospel. Um, Just because I see somebody and I don't like what they're doing, and what they're doing might even be sin, doesn't mean I have to point my finger at them and go, that's sin, you've got to quit that right now. repent and believe now. Right, right. Um, and, and that's the problem with, you know, we just did an episode on addictions a bit ago. Um, that's the problem with a lot of addiction ministries, mm. you know, is that they're um, trying to do this behavior modification in the name of Christ, in the name of, you right. know, holiness. And um, they're becoming people's Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I think that's why you see a lot of people fall yeah, away yeah. from those ministries. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, they're trying to be people's Holy Spirit. They're trying to do the work of the Spirit. And, you know, the Spirit works in means, and they're just trying to be the only means to do that. Yeah, and when you talk to a, especially somebody who's really proud of their recovery ministry or lots of other ministries, and you say, well, what's the success rate? They don't want to answer that question, or they want to go 100% or something like that. But the reality is is that so many people fall back, and why? Well, because they go through the program and now they don't have their Holy Spirit guiding them anymore, this ministry or this one person, Accountability and mentor. they find themselves back in the same situation instead of, you know, the Holy Spirit has, it's, you've been taught to listen to the Holy Spirit, you've right. been taught to read your Bible, you've been taught uh, true biblical sanctification, and that's what leads and guides you hmm. instead of uh, a person and a shame culture feel like this episode on shame was much better than the last one for for those of us listening we recorded this and i screwed up and lost the recording so we're re-recording it brian would get so mad at me when i would say hey we're re-recording an episode oh would he oh dude yeah well no once he did once <laughs> once he did he's like <laughs> you don't have to tell him how we're making the sausage man <laughs> dude i don't even edit the Shout part out, out where brian. i'm like i'll just edit this out and i don't edit it no why would edit i it out? it's so yeah. fun People get to hear how um, stupid I actually am, uh, <laughs> and how smart you actually are. Go feel like it doesn't work. Jiminy that way. Cricket, how are these two guys together? Uh, <laughs> all right, I think we should wrap it up. Okay, I think we did good on this episode. Yeah, shame on words? you if you don't listen. Wow, jeez. <laughs> I think you felt shame, shame from that or not. Shame on you if you don't like us and leave a review. <laughs> <laughs> Behavior modification. <laughs> Any last words? No. All right. Well, whether you feel shame or guilt, we believe you belong. Sure.